For those of you that were here last week, uh, my, another chaplain that I work with, Dan Johnson, was able to fill in. And I had heard Dan preach one other time before last week I did watch the service. Um, <clears throat> and now after last week, I've heard Dan preach two times, along with three times and four times and five times. <laughs> uh, I say that in some humor, but to know that he was Assemblies of God pastor, so he was just moving with the Spirit. He was going, going, going. Good to have him here. Thank you for yeah, welcoming him and having him be a part of your, our worship service. What type of dedication and discipline does it take to become an e-sports athlete? What work is needed? This question was asked by this Quora.com website. An e-sport athlete, if you didn't know, is someone who plays video games. And if you didn't know, this continues to be a growing aspect in our society where ESPN now shows competition of esports. That is, a person can watch video game players on TV play video games. The short answer to this question, what type of dedication does it take, posed to one esport athlete, is that he takes a lot of dedication. This athlete responds by saying that when he was in the middle school, he would play four hours a day after school, Monday through Friday, and then play eight hours a day, Saturday and Sunday. He did that as a middle schooler through high school. He and his friends, while they didn't necessarily want to be professional video game players, he wanted to do well in local tournaments, and so they played a lot. They wanted to be like professionals. As he got into college, he was able to be in the top five in one tournament. And then he reflected on this part of his life where he was really serious about being an e-sport athlete, about someone who played video games. And this person says, it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication and persistence. Success doesn't happen overnight. It can take months or even years until you reach the professional level. Remember, there are other people just like you who want what you want. And you have to outwork all of them just to get recognized. What I can recommend to you is to keep practicing. In a quick search, I learned that the top professional esport athletes, the top person has made $7.1 million playing video games. The top U.S.-born athlete is an individual named Kyle. He's made $3.5 million. He was 22nd on the list. So not everyone's going to be a top 10 eSport athlete, but if you are, we have learned that it takes a lot of time, dedication, and persistence. In order to become a better video game player, one must be disciplined in the sport. We're wrapping up our series on spiritual disciplines this morning, starting with our two big questions. One of the big life questions we have is, what might your disciplined life lead to? Will it be video games or athletics 
or music or writing or any other number of life pursuits? Or might we be disciplined in our faith growth? This is our second question. Will you be disciplined in your faith growth? When it comes to our faith, our walk with God, we are to be disciplined. Our key verse is 1 Timothy 4, 7b through 8. Rather, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness, for bodily training is just slightly beneficial, but godliness is beneficial for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Today, we're not so much looking at a specific spiritual discipline, but in how to persevere or be persistent in the disciplines. Just as the article shared, persistence is the key to being an e-sport athlete, persistence or perseverance is going to be the key to our spiritual disciplines. Doing something just once or once in a while does not really benefit a person in their growth. It is a consistent repetition of the action that brings the benefit. Being a person who practices spiritual disciplines That isn't the end goal, just to be someone who practices the disciplines. That isn't the end goal. The disciplines are a means to a different end. The end, the goal for us as followers of Christ, is to be shaped by God, to be shaped by the Holy Spirit. Our end goal is to become more like Jesus, and the disciplines are the means to that end. In the second Peter reading this morning, it points out how one aspect of our faith development leads to the next aspect, which leads to the next, and then to the next, and then to the next, and so on. Right in the middle of all of the chain that was written, that Peter had written down, he writes, in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. And this is how it can be seen kind of in that link there. So what we see here is that persevering is the connection between the life we want to live, the life that God wants us to live, um, of self-control, discipline, and godliness. Perseverance is the link. In order where discipline to get to godliness, it happens through the persevering. When we have these qualities, those three, along with The others on Peter's list, which included faith, moral excellence, knowledge, kindness, love. Verse 8 tells us that we will not be useless or unproductive. Verse 9 drives this point home by saying, For the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his and her purification from his or her former sins. Spiritual disciplines, perseverance, godliness are qualities that help us to be useful. They help us be productive and guard against being blind and short-sighted. This is a great motivation for us (laughs) to consistently practice the disciplines in our life. The question then is, we have the motivation, we understand it's going to be a part of our lives. The question is, Why is it then, why is it that spiritual disciplines can be so hard to do? And perhaps the number one reason a person may say is that they have no time or I am too busy. 
Professor Don Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, addresses this. This is part of the quote. You'll see this in a second. But he starts by saying, For many, perhaps most believers, the failure to practice the spiritual disciplines is not so much due to the desire for spontaneity as it is the struggle with finding time. But if you desire to be godly, you just face the fact that you will always be busy. To do what God wants most, that is to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love neighbor as yourself, cannot be done in your pastime, in your spare time. Loving God and others in word and deed will result in a busy life. This is not to say that God wants us to live a hectic life. God does not want us to live hectic lives, but rather to affirm that godly people are never lazy people. So here we have the first key to persevering in our disciplines, which is to understand that we will be busy. Or to put it another way, and I love how Dr. Whitney puts it, loving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving our neighbor cannot be done in our spare time. A mature, disciplined Christian does not read and meditate on the Bible in their spare time. A committed follower of Christ does not pray whenever they feel like it. A vibrant, on-fire-for-God believer does not tell others about Jesus only if someone comes up to them and says, hey, can you tell me about Jesus? Service doesn't happen just when we have an extra hour or two to give to the church. If you want to be disciplined in your spiritual life, you will be busy. A close reading of the Gospels shows us that Jesus was busy. Hmm. Well, I'm missing one slide. In Matthew 14, Verses 13 and then 21 through 25, we read, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. It is at this point, after the crowds had followed him, that Jesus taught the crowds. And after teaching the crowds, the disciples said to him, Lord, send the crowds home so they can get something to eat. They didn't send them home, they fed the crowds. Then picking up in verse 21, about 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. Night fell, and he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for about a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. Now imagine this story, these chain of events, was just, it's just two days of Jesus' work week. <laughs> so again, here on Monday, he heard the news, and the news was his cousin's killing, John the Baptist, was killed. Jesus, as his first cousin, heard this. He is in deep 
grief. It was an unjust killing, the taking of a young life. Jesus is in deep grief. He went to be alone, practicing a spiritual discipline of solitude. But he can't be alone because the crowds followed him. There was people all around him. So Jesus then taught the crowd. He ministered to them. After ministering to them, he organized a food drive to feed the crowd, 5,000-plus people. Jesus had to work with his disciples, the church, the serving committee. They served the people, and they were the cleanup committee, too. Jesus then, it says in verse 22, immediately sent his disciples back into the boat. Well, Jesus stayed behind to say goodbye to the crowd. Here's, the, here's, here's a reflective question I have. How long does it take you to say goodbye to people when you leave church on a Sunday morning? Minnesota is known for having the long goodbye. I think Wisconsin's long goodbye may be longer. It's important to say goodbye. It's important to say goodbye. But that's part of being busy. How long were you at church? I thought church got done an hour ago. Well, I was just saying goodbye. (laughs) Back to our story, verse 23. Jesus then went to the hills to pray, again, practicing another spiritual discipline. That's the end of Monday. Tuesday comes. Night came, Jesus was alone, unsure if he's sleeping, but he knew his disciples were in trouble. He then went out his disciples at 3 a.m. No time to sleep. That's how busy Jesus was. Jesus is a busy man. Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a ministry leader who is discipling 12 men. Jesus had a public teaching ministry where he interacts with the crowd. In fact, at times, he's not even able to be alone. During his three-year ministry career, Jesus also goes up against the status quo. He has conflicts with religious leaders, the powers that be. I do not doubt that the constant conflict with the religious leaders is tiring for Jesus. Ongoing conflict, resistance can make a person stop whatever it is that they are doing. And for Jesus, this conflict with the religious leaders led to his death. You might say, or I might say, I'm too busy to do these spiritual disciplines. Am I, though, more busy than Jesus? Are you, am I, so much more busier than Jesus to the point that We're unable to practice the spiritual disciplines? Jesus models for us not only what it means to follow God as a person, but he models for us what it means to follow God as a person who is busy. Don Whitney outlines three more keys for us to persevere. And the first is the role of the Holy Spirit. We are not relying on the disciplines, again, to work in our life 
to give us a power. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit. So how do we persevere? We're going to rely on the Holy Spirit. Three verses that point to that. Romans 8, 29a. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out on the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. The Holy God has given each of us the Holy Spirit in order for us to live holy lives. God's desire is for us to be conformed to the image of His Son. This work began the moment we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, and God will continue to have the Holy Spirit work in your life until that shaping has reached completion. Second key and us persevering is the role of fellowship with other believers. Now, fellowship is a great church word, but I've actually started to see it outside of church settings. I've seen it at McDonald's. McDonald's is wanting to have fellowship. So fellowship is our vision and our desire. Fellowship is different, though, than socialization. There's a difference between socializing and fellowshipping. Again, relying on Professor Whitney, he writes, One reason for our susceptibility to mentally disconnect our practice of the disciplines from the life of the local church is the common Christian failure to distinguish between socializing and fellowship. Although socializing is both a part of the context of fellowship, it is possible to socialize without having fellowship. Socializing involves the sharing of human and earthly life in ways that are common to both believers and unbelievers. Christian fellowship, the New Testament koinonia, involves talking about God, the things of God, and the life from a uniquely Christian perspective. While socializing is a gift from God and not to be diminished, far too often socializing becomes the substitute for fellowship. And when this happens, our practice of the spiritual disciplines suffers and our growth in grace is stunted. So socializing topics include like the news, weather, sports, family, work, with no mention of spiritual matters. These are topics that both believers can have and unbelievers can have. You can talk about all of these things with anybody. I can socialize with anybody. Fellowship topics, now, they may include those same topics. They include the same topics of socializing, but they add the topic of God and faith in the Bible. Fellowship conversations happen between believers when they ask each other, how have you seen God work at your place of work or in your family or in your kid's sports team. A fellowship conversation might also ask, how are you relying on God? Or what can I pray for you today? Other fellowship topics include sermons that you've recently heard, sharing what you've read in the Bible or from a devotional. It was just a few weeks ago 
at the start of all of this, the whole series, that the sermon was on meditation. So a, fellow, a follow-up fellowship question to each other might be, what verse and passage have you been meditating on? And out of that meditation, what insights have been given to you? You see, if someone was asking you about the discipline of meditation, you might be able to persevere then in that discipline if someone was asking you about it. That is the role of fellowship. And this key of fellowship, this role of other people, it's not unique (laughs) in persevering in spiritual disciplines. Other people can help us persevere with any activity. If you are a quilter or a scrapbook artist, it would be common for you then to get together with others to work on projects. Getting together, just getting together with others helps the person find the time to work on that project. And when you are with others, you can pick their brains and get some ideas. Other people who quilt or do memory books or make cards or scrapbooking, they'll just naturally encourage you. And you can encourage them. As you see progress with your project, there's a, there's a momentum, an energy being built to keep going. Those same type of benefits can happen when we do this with our spiritual disciplines or with any activity. It's interesting, I, in commercials now, for diets, there are diets coming out to have a partner to diet together because they know if people want to be really serious about this, they need each other to do that. Hebrews 3.13 but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Socializing is important. And again, I can do that with anyone on any given day. But fellowship, that is absolutely critical for our faith growth, which can only be done among believers. May we as a church continue to be an encouragement to one another. The third key that Whitney points out is the role of struggle or hard work. Going back to our overarching theme passage, this 1 Timothy 4, 7, starting with the second half of 7, 8 is our theme verses, but then picking up 9 and 10. 9 says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Paul points out that faith work requires hard work, and at times, it's a struggle. When we read Galatians 5.17, we see why it's a struggle. Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Doing some activities can be a struggle, no matter what that activity is. And sometimes doing those very same activities isn't a struggle. So for instance, taking the dog for a walk is sometimes a struggle, And then other times, taking the dog for a walk isn't a struggle. It's a joy. It's a stress reliever. Yard work 
or garden work or housework, sometimes that can be a real struggle. And then other times, yard work or garden work or housework isn't a struggle. It becomes a place to experience peace (laughs) and quiet. Watching kids, watching grandkids, helping out with a family or a neighbor or someone at church, sometimes that's a struggle. And other times, it isn't. It's not a struggle. Galatians 5.17, though, indicates that there is a battle between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, or the godly spirit, desires you to be godly. Again, the goal of the spiritual disciplines is to produce godliness. So then it is no surprise that our flesh nature is going to resist us practicing spiritual disciplines in our life. When we acknowledge that practicing spiritual disciplines is going to be a struggle, and when we work hard to get through that struggle, we are then able to persevere in our disciplines. So there's this acknowledgement of that, and there's a struggle. (laughs) God's spirit against our fleshly nature. I want to wrap up with God's response to the godly, to people that he says are godly. And what a godly person's life will look like as seen in the books of Proverbs and Psalms. I'm not going to read them all. In fact, this could be something you maybe want to do. You could just do a search on the word godly. But here's what God thinks. He offers friendship to the godly. He won't let the godly go hungry. The godly are showered with blessings. Looking at Psalms, some of the Psalms. God watches over the path of the godly. He takes care of the godly. He rescues the godly. He doesn't permit the godly to slip and fall. He rescues them from the power of the wicked. You see, there's both an earthly and eternal benefits in being godly. Coming to faith is is just the start. The end goal is to be more like Jesus or to be godly. And spiritual disciplines are the means by which God works in our life to do that. The answer to the question, what type of dedication and discipline does it take to become an e-sports athlete? The answer was, you've got to want it. Do you want to be a godly person? Do you want to grow in your faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do you want to know God? Not just know about God or just have a passing a passive knowledge about the nature of God, but do you want to know God just as you would know another person? Are you willing to allow God to shape you, to form you, to have you be more like Jesus? Your answer is in the action that you take in your life, not in the desire of your heart or your mind or the understanding of how you're supposed to answer I know how I'm supposed to answer. But the answer to this question is going to be if and when I actually practice spiritual disciplines in my life. May each of us desire to be shaped by God. 
May each of us persevere in our spiritual disciplines, acknowledging that we will be busy, that we have the help of the Holy Spirit, along with the help of true fellowship with other believers, and an understanding that it will be a struggle. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for this word that you have for us, for this link of persevering between disciplines and godliness. And God, it is by your spirit that we are able to do that. So we want to commit to that as individuals, as families, households, and as a church. We pray in your name. Amen.